0: Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples and Today's uh, podcast is going to be another interview. This time I'm interviewing uh, Dr. Stephen Backhouse. Now, um, that sounds really good doesn't it? Dr. Stephen Backhouse. Stephen uh, has been a theological lecturer for years. And one of the things that we want to do in this podcast is trying to use real simple words to explain deep and profound things. Um, and we end up using a word theology which literally means the study of God and even there are times when it's okay to use very simple words and sometimes it's really cool to talk to somebody who's just very good at explaining uh, complex words or complex ideas in a real simple way and Stephen Backhouse started a uh, I don't need to call it a project or a ministry or or an idea. It's called Tent Theology. You can Google it, www.tenttheology.com. And what he wants to do is make theology as accessible as possible. And his idea is he wants to put theology back into the local church not just in uh, academic quarters. He wants to take good thinking about God and put it into the church, not just into academic centers. So I wanted to have a chat with him about theology, about discipleship, and see kind of where it took us. And we had such fun. This guy is just an insane thinker. He's done lots of writing, particularly around a guy called Soren Kierkegaard. Uh, really inspiring stuff. So friends, I hope you find today's podcast uh, interesting and, and helpful and I certainly enjoyed recording this podcast with with Stephen some time ago so friends here we go I'm making disciples with myself Chris Rogers and uh, Stephen Backhouse making disciples you've written about Soren Kierkegaard yeah Uh, he's a legend and uh, at the moment you're leading or you're kind of developing something called Tent Theology.
1: Tent Theology yeah.
0: Just Just tell us really briefly what is Tent Theology?
1: Okay really briefly Tent Theology is born out of the fact that Christians shouldn't have to leave church to learn about their own Christianity. For too long we've been outsourcing theological and church history and biblical studies we've been outsourcing that to, to this thing called the university or the seminary yeah. and uh universities and seminaries are, are one place you can do theology but they shouldn't be the only place and they're not even the best place so we're trying to bring theology back into the heart of the local church where it grew from and where it belongs yeah so that's what we're doing and and we call it tent because it's it's kind of easy to set up it's easy to take down it's easy to take anywhere it's the idea that we can we can come and set up shop or set up a little tent in a local church for a few days at a time, maybe a weekend or 10 days. And we kind of do theology for everyone.
0: When you and say then, do theology, for those people yeah. that don't know what the word theology, what that means, what, what would what would be your layman's
1: description? What I, what I say is um, theology is is being as excellent about God as possible. So it means speaking and doing. It's just being as excellent about God as possible. So when you're doing when you're doing theology, you're trying to speak excellently. You're trying to be the right kind of person. Uh, it's essentially theology is worship. It's a form of worship. So it's a it's a way of giving God your best. And um, but to do theology as excellently as possible usually means you can't do it by yourself. <laughs> you have to also. Put into practice the stuff you're talking about means you can't be separate from the conversation of 2,000 years, you know, of wider conversation.
0: I'd love to ask you, to kind of push back on that and say, yeah. every time a Good. small group of Christians gather and read the Bible, is that theology? Or is theology when you gather with a group of academics who really wrestle through something heavily with lots of clever words?
1: Well, so this is where you kind of need both, right? So we've, we've separated the idea. We think theology is just being academic or being scholarly. Oh, well, we think it's just being academic. But it, it also it has to have both together. So the worst theology in the world is, is just happening in universities where it doesn't have any contact with believers, with the, with the church. Um, and likewise, the best theology in the world happens when scholarly people are also in part of a worshiping community. And they're having to talk about it in front of everyone and they have to explain to everyone. So you need both. So it's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an anti-intellectual. But I just think that like thinking seriously about the things of God and and church history and biblical studies is hard work. Um, But it's the sort of hard work that that needs to happen in the church with, with everyone and, and other people should support their scholars. And the scholars should be, uh, serving their churches like this. This is the best home for it. It'd be, it'd be just like if you had a imagine you had brick making and then in brick making became a, uh, a an academic subject and people like, I want to be a brick maker when I grow up. OK, you need to go to university. You need to study the theory of brick making and talk about the history of bricks. And uh, maybe once in a while, we'll have a little symposium and, and some people will put together <laughs> bricks they've made out of cardboard and they'll talk about what it would be like if these bricks were ever made. Well, that's ridiculous so what you need is you need the brick makers who know about the history of bricks to be making the thing and building a building that people can actually use you're putting theory and history and and rigorous scholarly subject together with the use of it the love of it the testing out of it right that's and i just feel like you can't be excellent unless you have everything together the shorthand is word and spirit right the shorthand phrase is we need word and spirit in our in our work in our teaching otherwise if you just find somebody who's only spirit they're they're just probably going to become a sentimental unhinged crazy person and if you find somebody's only word you're just going to find some sort of locked down repressed you know cut off person from life so we need both right
0: so so the disciple is somebody who is uh engaging with word and spirit uh, the scriptures yeah. with the power okay my dad's an electrician and uh, retired a few years ago but he said that in the recent years they would send young men off or young women off to train to be electricians and they yeah. would do a couple of years studying like uh, uh, being an electrician and then would come uh, into the workplace and will have not really played with any wires but are now no, suddenly I... academic electricians yeah. And my dad yeah. would have to start saying, "Right, well, can I can I show you now what it means to be an electrician and how to do this? And we, I guess yeah. we've done the same with our theology. We've sent people yeah. off to Bible school. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, if I could just ask you another follow up question to that. Is it possible to do theology with your hands? Well,
1: yeah. Well, yes. I mean, you can't you can't um, take care of widows and orphans by writing books for them yeah. um, only. <laughs> You can't, you can't pray for somebody unless you're physically, I mean, well, you can pray for them, but like, you could write about praying for healing, or you could go and you could lay your hands on somebody and try it. Um, You can think about what it might be to comfort somebody in sorrow and mourn with those who mourn, or you can go and put your hand around them and do it. You know, you can put your arm around them. Like, yeah, I just feel like I... You need to be doing it as well as talking about it.
0: I think one of, for me, one of the most beautiful theology moments in Scripture is when we find Jesus at the Last Supper washing feet. Right In in the washing of feet, he actually uh, reveals some deepest theology of who is God. Yeah. And at the same time reveals deep theology about what it means to be uh, a disciple of him. And... it's, yeah. it's in the activity that actually deep theology is happening. So
1: I, I agree with you. And I'd like to to point out, uh, why do you think Jesus washed the disciples' feet? Um, and, and you ask somebody that and you ask these people and we go, oh, he did that to teach them a lesson of, of, of what leadership looks like. Or he did that to... Well, their feet was dirty. <laughs> or their feet were dirty. Well, you go to the text and it's like, and Jesus, who loved his disciples went and washed the feet I mean, it tells you right in the text that yeah. the very one of the one of the main reasons that the bible tells you he washed the feet is just because he loved them and he was doing stuff for them because he was filled with love and uh, part of what i am so inspired in fact that verse itself inspired inspired a lot of tent was like loving god is part of being theological like you you, you can't be excellent to god and to each other unless you're also loving them like and it was, it was about not being scared of the emotion, like not being scared of, you know, the head and heart or the 18-inch journey from here to here and all that. Yeah. not being scared of that and saying, well, that's part of what it is to be um, a fully, uh, a life plugged into this deeper and wider thing called Christianity. It means also that you're not scared of love and you make decisions based on love and you, you pursue love for one another and you eagerly desire to be with one another and You know, there's all these stuff in the – me traveling around is like you read in the Paul or in John, like Second John or Third John. It will end with like, I have so much I could write to you, but I long to be with you in person, (laughs) right? And like there you go. There's head and heart and and, and, and hands and and, and thinking all together, right? There's so much I could write, but I'd rather just be with you. Yeah. And there's something deeply Christian about that, and I kind of want to find that again and do that myself and combine those two together, right?
0: That's amazing let's just keep that was just the introductory question um discipleship yeah uh, Jesus called people to be his disciples uh, yeah. we have modern concepts of what we think discipleship is. what's yeah. your understanding of biblical discipleship well I, I i
1: to me it comes through kierkegaard so and it's not very super profound it's just imitation of Christ, so to me it means um trying to be. Or being as much like Christ as possible, or being shaped into His image, and so for somebody like Kierkegaard, he was really alert to the fact that there's lots of people walking around who call themselves Christian, but it's what they mean by that is probably just that they're they're white and they they're European or it's a you know they're patriotic or something like it, They've combined their they've confused their Christianity with their nationality or their mm. their culture, and and he was really keen on like actually a real christian is somebody who's gonna look like jesus i mean if it doesn't walk like a duck or talk like a duck it just isn't a duck even if it calls itself one right yeah so it's almost just a basic it's it's not even a judgment we're not even like we're not saying if you don't look like jesus that you're going to hell we're not saying you're an evil person we're just basic definitions like do you even remotely try and act or talk or obey any of the things that jesus said and if you don't you're like well peace be on you and your house but you're not a christian you know you're not a christ-like person so to me discipleship is just kind of basically finding fellow travelers who are also interested in shaping their lives in a christ-like way
0: yeah
1: i Uh, guess we've turned
0: christianity into a set of beliefs right rather than christianity being the one that we follow and the one that we copy and the one that we imitate
1: so i've been really struck by you know, quite often the, the word faith or belief in the New Testament is more, we moderns, the syn- the synonym is like understand or something. We, we kind of think that when Jesus says, believe in me, he's saying, believe these six impossible things that I'm telling you, uh, you know, assent to my list of propositions. But really what he's saying is follow me, right? So if you look at the synoptic, sometimes Jesus says, follow me. And in other um in other books he says believe in me and it's the same thing and quite often you can substitute words like allegiance or even patriotism instead of you know so he says have believe in me he's saying be allegiant to me or like for when when nicodemus comes to him at night and and is embarrassed to be seen with jesus jesus says your solution to the solution to your problem is you have to believe him you have to be seen to be with Mm -hmm. me you have to formed around me right so there's almost a geographical element to belief in the New Testament, which is like, are you physically with Jesus or are you identified with him? So it's almost it's uh, like I said, it's almost like allegiance or even patriotism. It's like, are you patriotic to Jesus or are you yeah. patriotic to your yeah. to the other things that lay claim on your life? You know. So that's the kind of for me discipleship is is less about giving clever answers to complicated questions, yeah. and it's more about Somebody who's like, I'm not afraid to be seen to be with Jesus or to be associated with him, right? And the word
0: church, uh, you know, as you know from the original use, was a was a township or village that pledged their allegiance to the Roman Empire. And Jesus says, Peter, we're going to start churches. Yeah. And and for Jesus, that was going to be a gathered group of people who pledged allegiance to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He didn't say we're going to start a community that has a set of rules that everybody will have to agree to. No, and he no. says we're going to start a group of people whose primary being is to pledge their allegiance to to me. Yeah, uh, and so churches is ga- gathered allegiance people, and I, I guess then discipleship is, as we pull away, that's who we are and how we pledge allegiance to. I yeah. don't. I don't want to say individual discipleship isn't the individual and the church is a corporate because actually discipleship is corporate it can't be done individually it's right it can't be i mean
1: it assumes a relationship mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: but then that's the
1: iron sharpening yeah. iron business and i mean there's a lot of stuff that we have in our christian language in our bibles that help us put yeah. a shape that might look like
0: be so with. you're an academic you've taught academic theology. Yeah. Uh, I just want to push you on this one a little bit. Has yeah. academic theology turned discipleship into a head-only business? Well, academics don't even
1: think about discipleship hardly at all. So, <laughs> not yeah. only have they, not only uh, uh, has it been turned into a head-only business. I don't think. Well, I would push back at you, and I'd say I, I think I would think probably all the time I've spent in any academic circles, discipleship doesn't even get talked about at all. So, I mean, it's, it's been so, it's been so removed from the life of Christianity that it's, they don't even talk about it. So, and I think that, I think it goes both ways. I think people who are critical of academic theology are onto something. I mean, they've got a point. It has become divorced from, from discipleship for sure. Mm. Um, um, and, and a lot of academic theology does just think about Christianity as a interesting puzzle to, to play with. Mm. Um, not to do or not to not to love, right? For sure, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm not I'm not some fierce defender of academic theology at all means. I would say then fairly from my point of view of like having lived in that world for about 20 years or so, that um, not all academics are, are the same. So often what you find is this is what I think a lot of people in churches don't realize is that if you really care about the Bible or church history or theology or discipleship and you are drawn towards thinking about it and talking about it at the moment we don't uh, there's nowhere else for you to go except the university right Mm -hmm. so if you are a Christian whose heart is being pulled towards theology and taking seriously the things of God and really wanting to be a disciple but your discipleship works itself out more in terms of writing and and talking and thinking Mm -hmm. where else can you go? You know, in a way that the local church has failed some of its own people as well, because it's it it hasn't there's no place for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of theologians living in and working in the academic circles who actually do just long to be serving their churches and to be helping and wanting to disciple other people. And they and they want to bring scholarly research of the Bible into and under a spirit filled community, for example. But we do find a lot of my friends, and who I find my fellow travellers in the university world, there's no home for them in these churches, even though they long to be there. Right? So it's not it's not just the case that there's academics judging the local church. Um, it often happens the other way around as well, and that there's just no home for the academics, even if they want to be in churches. I'm talking to a church right now who's just you know we we're trying to put together a little you know weekend conference. For, for scholars who are also interested in being spirit-filled and active mm. Christians. And, and this church has told me, it's like, well, we don't know what to do with this. We don't have a department for this. We don't know how we would do it. And yet they do run conferences for artists and Christians or for business leaders and Christians, you know. And yeah, Well, why, why don't we have anything for scholars who are also Christians? Like, whose fault is that, you know?
0: Mm. So yeah. how do we how do we move? What we're learning in our heads as we read the Bible as we listen to interesting podcasts or hear an interesting sermon <clears throat> it seems to be we get a lot of head knowledge here from the church yeah it's good I mean we need our minds to be transformed yeah um, <clears throat> how do we then allow that to become a heart that is being renewed and transformed so it actually moves from here to here what well, how do we what do we do that yes, I know the simple answer is the Holy Spirit yeah. Uh, what's that process though how can we allow that to then start marinating our hearts so our hearts become loving and in in line with the heart of god
1: well well it's the pearl of great price i mean i know it's the kingdom of god is the pearl of great price but but um you know it's a it's a treasure really worth pursuing like you carve out space for it so you you, i had to carve out space like when i i really want to hear I want to know I'm loved. I was basically like, i in my head. I know God is love and I, and I know these things, but I want to, you know, a heart, I want to know I'm loved. You know, I want to really, I really want to experience that. I'm not, and, and we're understanding that experience and knowledge are, are both important parts of my life. And so I, I just pursued it. I carved space. You know, I, I realized that in my head that, that in my time, I often wanted to fill my head with like pod, you mentioned podcasts and reading and like, Like I just realized how often in my life do I if I have a bit of quiet time, do I fill it with chatter, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Or how much if I'm waiting for the bus or something, do I then try and read something on my phone? And and I just realized okay, I'm gonna try and carve out some space. And I actually had a last year I had a I had a nine hour drive I had to make. I was I was in I'm not I'm a Canadian who lives in the UK, but I was in the States at the time in America. And I had a nine hour drive I had to make on one of those American roads that goes forever and ever and ever and normally i would fill up my that space with podcasts and music and things and audiobooks Mm. i was Mm. i left it blank and i just prayed and i listened to god for nine hours changed my life Mm. it was really good And it's kind of like okay i'm gonna this is a treasure worth grasping i'm gonna sell all i have and buy the field right so i kind of would say that to people it's like you pursue it it doesn't God is the Holy Spirit. He's he, he woos you. He doesn't dominate you. So he's kind of behold, I stand at the door and knock. Won't you open up? You know, so you have to kind of you do have to do something. I think evangelicals often are so hyper alert to like grace and not works that they kind of forget that the God doesn't overpower you. He doesn't. I mean, he wants you to participate in the relationship, right? He's the greatest wants you gentleman. To, he, 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 he knocks and then he waits for you to open the door and. You know, it, I'm not talking about salvation by works here, but I am saying your relationship has to—you have to do something too. Like it's a two-way street, and he—he—he he, he respects your person, right? He doesn't just overpower you with his love. He says, "Do you want to know it? Okay. Well, how can you get into the place where you're going to know it?" So that's the kind of yeah. stuff
0: I would. Well, you've just used the word relationship, and I think that's a key thing, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> before I married my wife, I could have had a CV, I could have had information about her history, I could have had photographs. Right. Of her past, right. uh, and I could learn all of this stuff about her life, but it's yeah. only when you interact and meet with and uh, intertwine your life that you have this relationship yeah. that you're committed to. And I suppose uh, many of us are becoming hist—I put myself in it—a historian of Jesus. Yeah, I know the history of Jesus, but do I know Jesus today? And that's the question Jesus asked, isn't he? Do I know you? Yeah. And it's moving yes. the, the knowledge that we now have. Because obviously when I'm in a relationship with my wife, I do want to know her past. I want to know where she's been. I want to know her stories. Tell me those yeah. funny stories when you were 12 years old. You want to know them because you love them. Yeah, yeah. But if the knowledge is the purpose of the relationship, then it's not going to be a relationship. So it's right. it's both, isn't it? It's, it's having a relationship with God, taking time to listen, spend time with. And it's yeah. the reading the the books, the history the the teachings and it, and it's both of those together, and you you can't yeah. re- you can't have one without the other, but we do try, we do try, and oh, yeah, I have yeah. friends who love worship and spending time in God's presence, but barely pull out their Bible, and then yeah. you've got other friends who love opening up the Bible but would never contemplate sitting in the presence of God for half an hour in silence yeah and, and it has to be both of those. Uh,
1: before we finish, can I? Well, um, I, I, re- I do. Can I just interrupt? I do yeah. have a point about that I think something that uh, like reading the Bible or, or paying attention to what other Christians have said about God is a way of loving your neighbors as well. It's a way of loving your, showing respect and honor to other people. So, like we are, we internalize or person individualize our our study. We think it's all about me. It's about showing honor and respect. men and women who have come before you and have devoted their lives a lot (laughs) pay attention to how many christian words you read are written by people who actually died for their faith i mean there's so many people who died for their faith or who have devoted their whole life to being as excellent as they can about the things of god like when we pay attention to their words when we take the time to pause and study or read and learn from them we're just showing our fellow christians respect and love right so it's it's not all study isn't all about building yourself up it's about it's about when paul said the body of christ some are a hand or some are a foot or some are an eye well that's what we're doing we're just kind of we're Mm. seeing that we're all part of one body and we're going to pay attention we're going to give honor to the different body parts right so like study and and paying attention to to reading isn't about building yourself up it's about loving fellow christians you know so that's kind of one thing I would yeah. point out as well. You know, it's, okay. it's, it can be a loving yeah. act to read a history book. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'd love to end just by asking one simple question. Uh, I, you know, minister in East London, uh, people are struggling reading the Bible. Christians yeah. for many years struggle reading the Bible. New Christians coming in and saying, I just don't know what to do. I don't how to start. Uh, what would be your, your thing? Is there something you have in your back pocket that often... When people ask you that question, how do I get into the Bible? How do I make those first steps? What is your, well, give this a go. Do you have something that you would say, this This is something I've tried and it might work for you? Yeah. I'm, um, I do
1: believe in, I mean, it's kind of a, it is a cliche, but I do believe that like Jesus. Okay. So the, the idea is that um, the Bible is not the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. And in lots of ways, the Bible is words about the word of God. And so it's kind of like take let Jesus hold your hand as you read the Bible. Like he, it's about him. So you can you can kind of I've heard somebody say never go into the Old Testament unless Jesus is holding your hand. <laughs> um, and he kind of tells like you know we have an image of what God looks like, and that's what Jesus looks like God. And the New Testament is is the only source we have for that. So that's why it's a holy scripture, and that's why we need it. And so we we read about Jesus, like pay attention to the Gospels, like read the Gospels first, read them a few times, really get to know what Jesus looks and sounds like and feels like, and then read the other stuff and be like, okay, where's Jesus in this text? And if you don't find Jesus, you're like, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe, you know, you you find Jesus where you can in the text, find out, is this the kind of thing Jesus would say? Is this what he feels like? Um, You know, he's the he's the real 10 pound note and everything else is a counterfeit so we, we get to like you pay you pay time with the spend time with the real thing and that helps you unlock the other stuff and kind of notice the real thing when you yeah. see yeah so yeah i, I always just look for, and and the, the idea of the gospel is um there's gospel everywhere in the bible and the gospel is just the the announcement of the rightful king has come to release his people from captivity that's that's what the word gospel originally meant you know and uh and so i just the new testament just said jesus is the king and everything he does is gospel so i i'm always that's one of my keys i used to unlock if it's an, if it's a text you don't understand somebody thought that there was gospel in this text so i'm going to find where am i being released from bondage in this text who's who's locking me down where's the freedom so that's one tip look for gospel.
0: Stephen backhouse thank you so much 10 Good. theology <clears throat> where can people find you if people want to find out a bit more about 10 theology where could they head
1: www.tenttheology.com and I'm all over the I travel around the UK and
0: Canada amazing Stephen thank you bless you and uh, look look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon I'm sure our paths will cross bless you